Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So we sent out Christmas cards to people who are uh, patrons of the Box of Oddities, members of Patreon that help support us. Via the Patreon page, site site page. page. Um, we we got a couple of them back, a few of them back, mostly because they were uh, for different countries and we didn't put enough postage on it. So if you're one of our patrons from not in the United States, we sent you a card. Yeah, but we just got it back. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, some of them had little notes like uh, foreign or out of country, yeah, uh, which was nice. The one that I got back today, though, said foreign and then had the dollar amount that we had to add oh. in order for it to be sent, which I thought was really considerate. That is considerate. Yeah. We also received a, a nice card from another one of our patrons, Susie from Florida. We we had a, we had a really uh, fruitful mail week. Um, Susie sent us this card. They uh, Okay, so this is so cool. This is something that I find fascinating. Um, she said that they uh, deal in handwriting analysis. And oh, it's so neat. She analyzed our signatures. She did. Well, she said that signatures shouldn't be analyzed because that is something that you purposefully show to the rest of the world. Gotcha. Um, but your handwriting is something that um, that is you know, from within. So and, and it tells these, all kinds of stuff about you. Sorry. On, on these cards, you had written a brief little message and then I just scribbled my name. Right. So um, unfortunately, uh, not able to tell much about you, except for um, she says that you're a very sensitive and easily hurt person sometimes. That makes me feel bad. <laughs> it's so spot on. It is. It um, is dead on, Susie. <laughs> As for me, she said that I'm quite the individual, not one to follow. You have a strong creative 
side, showing Mutt's originality. Your writing shows a fun, loving nature. Mm-hmm, Sometimes mm-hmm. you seem to lack confidence in yourself. <laughs> uh, she writes, T-bars never lie. <laughs> oh, I've, I can't think of how many times I've said that. That T-bars never lie. Right. right. Um, and uh, ending on a happy note, she says, you appear to have a very satisfying sex life. <laughs> Those Y loops are a dead giveaway. <laughs> so, I mean, that says something about you too, I guess. I guess it does. Um, <laughs> and by the way, Kat has amazing Y loops. <laughs> Just in, in case you That's, haven't noticed. Okay, let's not be gross. All right. Well, it's your turn to go first, my dear. What you got for me? Oh, my goodness. Okay. What you got for me? Oh, that's, <clears throat> see, that's why. I mean, how can I resist? <laughs> um, all right. Joseph Pujol was born in Marseille, one of five children of Francois and Rose Pujol. Um, Dad was a stonemason and a sculptor, which I think will lend a lot to this story. Um, we can totally see, we'll get to it. Um, soon after Joseph left school, he was swimming in the sea and he put his head underwater. He took a deep breath. He took his, put his head underwater and he suddenly felt a very cold, weird sensation in his belly. And oh. he was kind of freaked out by it. I'm freaked out already. Are you? Yes. Okay, so, ow, fuck, ow. Cat is very clumsy, according to her Y loops. Oh, Jesus. (sighs) You okay? Yeah, I just knocked my knee real hard. (laughs) (laughs) So so we felt... (laughs) So he felt a very weird cold sensation in his belly. He was a little freaked out by it, so he went to uh, the shore, to a private place on the shore, to investigate, like, why was he feeling this way? What's going on? And uh, as he reported it, an estimated two liters worth of water began leaking out of his butthole. What? 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 So, biographers Jean Nohan and F. Karadek wrote, young Joseph visited a doctor who simply laughed it off and told him to stay away from the sea. (laughs) This is not good medical advice. (laughs) Well, later on, Joseph, moving on with his life, was serving in the army, and he told his fellow soldiers about this incident that had happened and uh, was able to repeat it for their amusement. He sucked up some water in his butthole and then projected it several yards away. What? (laughs) Rectal aqua projection? So Joseph started exploring this talent by practicing with air instead of water. He was allegedly able to quote unquote, inhale or move air into his rectum, and then he would control the release of the air with his sphincter muscles. Soon he could suck in air and blow it out at will in the form of a nice clean fart. Though, according to Wikipedia, um, it's a common misconception that Joseph was passing intestinal gas, and it wasn't. It was... It was <laughs> Okay, so it was fresh air. It was fresh air. Well, it was fresh initially. Fresh-ish. Ish, Ish. okay. It wasn't real, real rank. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. So at the time, Joseph was working as a baker, and he would sometimes entertain his customers by imitating musical instruments behind the counter. He would claim to be playing <laughs> instruments. Uh-huh. The, uh, the it's, butt trumpet. It's unclear. Um it's unclear at this time mm-hmm. if the patrons knew what was going on back there <laughs> and if they were cool with that happening around their food. Uh, right. Because fresh baked goods plus butt air is not my idea of a good time. No. I bet that amused the neighborhood children, though. Oh, I'm sure. It was That's a, the kind of thing kids love. Absolutely. That and, and the stairs. And you, me as well. I, children love you? No, I That's, love it. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so Joseph decided that he was going to make this weird talent work for him. He took the name Lepetamane and shared his gift with the public by renting out a stage in his hometown of Marseille. Now, I was like, Lepetamane, why do I know that name? That's so strange because it feels like really familiar to me, but I didn't know this story of this man who was a fartist. So I was like, okay, Lepetamane, Lepetamane. And I Googled it and you know where it's from? Governor William J. Lepetamane from Blazing Saddles, Ah, who was full of hot air. Okay. So, okay, Lepetamane. His star was a rising, and you know that by the fact that in my notes here, I just I put little shooting stars and oh, uh, what looks to be a meteor. You're employing the use of emojis in your in your prep. Yeah, that's I. It's faster than writing so sure. many words. Yeah, oh. I know. So shooting star, pew! He is doing great, and uh, <laughs> so he's packing them in. He he is, and he's moving to Paris. Because that's where, like, big-time entertainment happens, right? Lepetamane would uh, have the audience in front of him, and he would put them to ease by saying this gas was odorless. Though my dad used to say the same thing. That was lies. (laughs) It's a lie. It's always a lie. Lepetamane would then perform impressions of famous people via fart. Really? He would perform popular songs. He would produce animal sounds. He had sound effects on file, <laughs> so he could do, like, explosions. Oh, wow. And he could do uh, – at one point, he recreated the sound of an earthquake, which I don't understand. Maybe, maybe he really wasn't doing it. Maybe he was doing a form of anal lip syncing. Maybe he was, like, a Milli Vanilli fart guy. You think so? Maybe. Maybe. Girl, you know it's... Yeah. Bop. I love you. (laughs) All right. So, anyway. Serious. He was also known for playing O Solo Mio, which then I got to thinking... Ace Ventura. So you remember that scene where Ace Ventura is bent over and he's playing Oh Solo Mio mm-hmm. with his butthole? And so was that a reference to Le Petit Who knows? Anyway. One thing we can be certain is that um, fart jokes are timeless. Timeless. Though most of Ace Ventura is not, sadly, uh, does not hold up. That is unfortunate. Because you know every word of dialogue. Yeah. From that 
motion picture. And watching it again, like as an adult, I was like, oh, shit, this, <sighs> a lot of this is really not okay. Yeah. This is, this is problematic. This levels. That was made 25 years ago. <sighs> anyway, Lepetamame would also blow out candles from several <laughs> yards away. So he was a hit. Obviously, he's doing great. And he wanted to perform where everyone wanted to perform at that time. The Moulin Rouge. (laughs) Of course. Moulin Rouge was famous at the time for its cabaret. Um, They would have, like, renowned actresses come and perform. They had can-can shows. I mean, it was a big deal. Lepetamame went to the theater, and he met with director Charles Zidler, and he announced himself as the newest phenomenon. Part of what I love about this guy's story is he was really confident, even though he had butt air to (laughs) offer. So he was like, yes, I'm going to be the next big thing. And Zidler was like, what's your specialty? And according to an article from the Moulin Rouge archives, this is how that conversation went. Well, you see, Monsieur, I have an anus like a suction device. In other words, my anus is so stretchy I can open and close it at will. Zidler, so what? (laughs) Well, it happens, Monsieur, that through this fortunate opening, I can take any quantity of liquid given to me. So there was a test performed in which he... (laughs) Some water. Really? Which seems like a very strange thing to do at a job interview. Uh, Not advisable. Right. And then he explained, after that, the secret of my act lies in the different qualities of sounds that I can produce. So Zidler was like, (laughs) so you can sing from your ass? And he was like, yes, monsieur. And then went on to show how it was like tenor, baritone, bass. And Zidler was like, can you do my mother-in-law? And Lepetamane goes. And then he He was hired. He should have said, everybody's done your mother-in-law. He would have got the job immediately. Well, he did. Just because of his butt air. Okay. His ass cannon, if you will. So if he can if he can blow streams of air yeah. out of his ass yeah. like that, God, I wish I wish there was somebody that could still do that because now I know what to do with my cremated ashes. You know, for some weird reason, I knew you were gonna go there. Wouldn't that be like, awesome? I just knew it, and I was like, how how would he how would he even make that work? And then I was like, oh, he would be cremated first, and then it would be his ashes shooting out of that guy's butt. Yeah, and I then I questioned all my life choices. I think that would be a memorial service to remember. Okay. Dearly defarted. Oh, wow. Did you mm-hmm. just come up with that? I just did just now. Yeah. I am so impressed with you. <laughs> I mean, before I was upset. You're, you're easily But impressed. now I'm like, woo. <laughs> yeah, right. That wordplay. You got my wise all loopy. <laughs> oh. So anyway, uh, he got the job. He started that night. And his big finale was inserting a rubber tube into himself, mm. and then he would put the other end in like a. Um... Oh, you mean like one of those old phonographs with the big horn? Yeah. Okay. So it, then he'd put it into that. A and Victrola. One of those guys, mm-hmm. and it, one one of these. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And so he would connect the two, and so it would be projected, his butt noise, and uh, invite the audience to sing along. And they all had a great time. <laughs> it was it was a big success. Um, and then he would uh, end the show by extinguishing the gas footlights on the stage one by one. And then when it was dark, the show was over. <laughs> I, I, look, I can't get by the whole hooking his ass up to a Victrola and getting people to sing along. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, people. Home on the range. Here we go. <laughs> he was the world's first flatulence musician and uh, the most well-known and grab onto your butts here, highest paid entertainer <laughs> in France. <laughs> They actually referenced actress Sarah Bernhardt. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, he was making twice as much <laughs> no. as she was. Oh my god! Uh, for stage performances, that uh, that must have made her feel really good about uh, herself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Lepetamine's doing great, and he is soaring. So he takes a break <laughs> from the Moulin Rouge and uh, farts his way across Europe <laughs> and North Africa. Uh, shows going great all over the place. It's a it's a world tour basically of his butt noises, and then he returns to Paris and he wants to open a venue of his own but the people at the Moulin Rouge were not happy about this because they're having mm. great success with him on their stage right. so according to weirdhistorian.com this is when they hired a competitive act La Femme Petamaine named Mademoiselle Thibodeau and she was also a fartiste that was immediately replacing Joseph but was quickly exposed as a fraud. They were trying to pass off some other lady as being a fartist. And there, I mean, it was, just wasn't working. Was it was it a Millie Vanilli thing? It was a Millie Vanilli thing. No kidding. Yes. Wow. So I don't know exactly how that deception worked. I would love to know more mm. about how that they tried to play that off. Um, once the war started, Le Petamain retired his ass from the theater. <laughs> and um, he still worked, though. Like, he went to work with Thomas Edison at one point on a uh, kintophonal factograph film, which was supposed to be like a film with sound with smell. Wow. Yeah. Like Odorama. Something like that. From, but from the old John Waters films. Lepetamine, though, didn't want to be misrepresented. He was very concerned that people would think that his butt sounds smelled bad. Mm, and he mm. was very clear that they did not. It was just air that he had passed through. It wasn't he was passing gas. Right. So... Sadly, these films do exist, but they're without sound, and there's just a few seconds of lepetamine in them. So, um, as I said, he retired but started running his own bakery in Marseille, and then he had a biscuit factory in Toulon. He lived to be 88 years old and passed away in 1945, but he is remembered forever in countless books, movies, documentaries, and in name in uh, Mel Brooks films. Right, well... No higher praise could be found. I did get most of this information from weirdhistorian.com, of course, from Wikipedia and from Wired. So like in modern concerts mm -hmm. and, and shows, you pay more to be up front 
Mm-hmm. I wonder if you had to pay more to be in the back at, at his shows. Do you think it was kind of like a Gallagher concert? Gallagher yeah. kind of situation? like an old Gallagher show, but instead instead of uh, smashing watermelons with a sledgehammer, he blows your bowler hat off with a fart. Oh, the money I would pay to see that! <laughs> I want a bowler hat. And now that thing in the middle. Thing in the middle comes from the Freaks group. Uh, let me see here. Ed writes, when thinking of boo, box of oddities, what are some words slash things that are recurring themes? Some incredible responses. Uh, just a few. Melissa writes, pug snortles. Mm-hmm. Matt writes, white windowless vans <laughs> and flashlights. Nicole writes, I'm not really sure, but I think about the box of dildos often. Anytime anyone says they have a surprise for me, I ask, is it a box of dildos? Oh, I feel as though my work is done here. Karen says, butt plugs. Mm -hmm. Valerie writes, searing abdominal cramps. (laughs) Paul says, the curator, any hoozle, what you got for me? Keep flying that freak flag. Melissa writes, bits. (laughs) Kuipo writes, calling the police. Uh, Revised. Cat calling the police. (laughs) All the time. All the time. (laughs) Also, go limp like a stupid baby. When I tell you I died. (laughs) And Lindsay writes pork taint. (laughs) God, I love the Freaks group. This is is the best thing I've ever heard. If you've not joined the Freaks group on Facebook, just search Freaks A Box of Oddities Facebook group. Karen wrote... Chernobyl. <laughs> hey, I've heard it both ways. We needed one more of these liners to fill out the page. And this was it. This is the Box of Oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames, and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. 
Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Support for The Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us too. Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities. Thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Jess sent us an email at curator at theboxofoddities.com. I'm currently binging the pod for the first time, and I was listening to episode 186 when there was mention of a corpse kisser, and I knew I had a story to tell you. Oh, man. (laughs) My ex-husband is a mortician, and while together I heard a lot of stories and saw a lot of weird shit since we lived at the mortuary. Yeah, I'll bet. One day... Very six feet under. Let's rewatch that. Oh, yes, please. One day he comes home and tells me about a woman who had asked for a moment alone with her deceased boyfriend before the service started. Thinking nothing of it, he said yes, of course, and the woman went in. As it got closer to the time of the service, he opened the door to let her know she had a few minutes left before they needed to open the doors, only to find her making out with the corpse. Tongue and all, which is difficult considering the mouths are sewn shut as part of the preparation. Not in a weird way, she writes. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this weird tale. Keep up your awesome work on this wonderful podcast. I adore it. Thank you, Jess. Everyone grieves in their own way. All right, here's a modern mystery for you. Early in the morning on August 31st in 2004... A Burger King employee in Richmond Hill, Virginia, was emptying out the trash. So he's carrying the trash out to the dumpster when he makes a very unexpected discovery. Next to the dumpster was a naked, sunburned guy. Oh. And he was unconscious. This guy was just lying there without any possessions. He had no identification, just lying next to the dumpster behind the Burger King. So the employee calls authorities And they, of course, come to check out the uh, situation. The guy had three small depressions in his skull, 
that seemed to have been caused by some sort of blunt force trauma, but they couldn't identify exactly what had caused it. Something made a pattern mm-hmm. in his skull. He was also covered with red ant bites oh. all over his body. Have you ever been bitten by fire ants? No. Or, oh my God, that's painful. No. After emergency services took him to St. Joseph Candler Hospital in Savannah, they discovered other than uh, those things, he was in pretty decent shape. So I'm sorry. He was a, a man found unconscious, uh, leaning up against a dumpster mm-hmm. in, uh, outside of a Burger King, right. naked. Um, who is this guy? Well, he had no identification. So it's like the Somerton man, only with Burger King. And the guy's not yeah. dead. And the guy's not dead. So it's like the Sunburnton man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, a stretch. In addition to not having any identification, he had no idea who he was. Oh, no. He couldn't remember anything initially. He was recorded at the hospital. Since they didn't have a name for him, they, they listed him as Burger King Doe, which actually is probably better than I, I would have come up with something like a naked sunburned Burger King dumpster guy. Now, they didn't see any evidence of anything criminal. There was that bump on the head, but there was no indication that that had been caused by an attack. He may have just whacked his head on the dumpster when he fell. So they did not uh, initiate any kind of criminal investigation. They didn't have any reason to suspect any sort of foul play. After a couple of weeks at the hospital, he was transferred to Memorial Health University Medical Center. Slowly, he eventually began remembering a few details in his life. He remembered his name was Benjamin, but he said it was spelled with two A's. He could not think of what his last name was. He couldn't recall. So he came up with Kyle from the police report. They had uh, just put a placeholder name in there for him. So he started calling himself Benjamin Kyle. Now, he did have a few issues that uh, were not caused by any kind of uh, blunt force trauma. He had some cataracts. It was a long-suffering issue, obviously, that he had. And so nine months after he was admitted into the hospital... He was given corrective surgery. It was paid for with money that was raised by local people. They just took a liking to this guy. That's nice. So he gets his sight back after we don't know how long. Wow. And he sees himself in the mirror for the first time after he had eye surgery. And he was shocked because the person looking back from the mirror at him was 20 years years older than he thought he was. So it was like a quantum leap kind of situation? Kind of like that. He spent some time at the hospital recovering. Once he was released, he ended up spending several years between a place called the Grace House Men's Shelter in various hospitals. He would bounce back and forth. He was at the J.C. Lewis Healthcare Center in 2007 when a nurse that he met asked him about his past. He started to think more about it, and things started to, uh, to, to pop up. For example, the nurse was helping him financially, uh, trying to get him small, odd jobs, cleaning yards, mm-hmm. doing that sort of thing. He was asked to uh, drive a truck and deliver a vehicle, and he found that once he got in, he remembered how to drive, even though he never could remember driving. Okay, but does he have a license? I think it was on private property, like Seems just at the... at the <laughs> Well, regardless... In 2007, he was diagnosed with disassociative amnesia by a Dr. James A. King in Atlanta. King thought Kyle's amnesia was probably dated from 2004 when 
you know, he was he was found. So he thinks that something traumatic happened. Maybe the head injury. It was decided at this point a more serious attempt to discover uh, Kyle's identification would be made. They contacted Georgia Congressman uh, Jack Kingston for assistance in the case. So he got DNA samples sent to the FBI National Crimis, uh, Criminal Justice Information Services in West Virginia for free. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, initially, there, was, there were no matches. Then in March of 2011, a Florida State University College motion picture arts graduate, a guy named uh, John Wilkes. That's an unfortunate name. <laughs> Not Booth, just John Wilkes. I know, I'm, it's still unfortunate. I guess, because immediately you thought presidential assassin. He approached Kyle, asked him if uh, he would be interested in them filming a documentary about his, uh, his situation. So Kyle moved to Jacksonville. But when I say moved, he just walked there on foot from Georgia in order to be filmed for the documentary. Kyle's story uh, initially appeared on a local TV station, and that caught the attention of a local business owner who gave him some odd jobs, dishwashing and things like that in January of 2015. And a local benefactor let him stay at an eight by five foot air conditioned shack. So he had a place to stay. He was earning some pocket money under the table. Uh, while this documentary was being made. Mm -hmm. But essentially, he was homeless, and except for these odd jobs, he he was unemployed. So at this point, the search for his identity was really stepped up. They did fingerprint comparison at the FBI. They did various types of DNA testing, facial recognition. A forensic geneticist, Colleen Fitzpatrick, made it her mission to discover who this guy was. Kyle was beginning to remember a few details from his past. Through hypnosis, he recalled part of his social uh, security number. Hypnosis also suggested that Kyle had three brothers, possibly two, uh, whose names and faces he could remember, but otherwise he could not recall anything else from his life, any other people from his life. He remembered uh, being in Indianapolis or in Indiana as a child. Brief pictures, short snippets of a Woolworth store, an Indiana theater that he used to go and see movies at. So he frequented the theater. Oh, wait, now it's a different guy. He also remembered living in Colorado for a while. One thing he remembered about Colorado was a controversy involving the construction of a mass transit uh, system in Denver at the time. That particular system ended up being, uh, well, it went into operation in 1999. The first public debate was around 1980. Now, these sporadic memories placed him in Boulder between 1976 and 1983. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're getting there. We're getting there. One event he did remember was the September 11th attacks. When asked if he could recall the presidents of the United States, he was unable to recall any from the 20th century. I mean, that's understandable. He said oftentimes the answers would be right on the tip of his tongue, but he couldn't articulate it. He had the information. He knew the information, but he was unable to say it. Oh, man, I know that feeling. (laughs) Yes, me too. Meanwhile, the forensic DNA research continued, and on September 16th in 2015, Kyle announced on his Facebook page that his identity had been established. (gasps) It was established by adoption researchers led by C.C. Moore. His post read, quote, A little over two months ago, I was informed by C.C. Moore that they had established my identity using DNA. Many people have shared their DNA profiles so that that may be compared to mine. Through a process of elimination, they determined my ancestral bloodline and who my relatives were. A DNA test taken by close relatives has confirmed that we are related. 
On the 21st of November in 2016, Kyle's true identity was revealed to be William Burgess Powell, born on the 29th of August 1948 in Lafayette, Indiana. And that's where he was raised. William Burgess Powell. That's yes. not Benjamin with two A's at all. So based on this information, they were able to go back and, and piece things together. In 1976, for some reason, he had cut ties with his family. He abandoned everything he owned, all of his possessions, including his car and the trailer where he had been living. He just put stuff down and walked away. Was it a cult? Sounds like a cult. I don't think no, it was a cult. A cult would have made you take your stuff and give it to them. That is true. His family filed a missing persons report at that time, and police found... Uh, at that time, that he had moved to Boulder, Colorado. And he had moved there on a whim with a co-worker and a guy he used to hang out and, and drink a lot with. Okay. He worked various jobs until 1983. That's according to Social Security records that they were able to, uh, to research. After 1983, there are no records of him anywhere, ever, holding a job, filing any paperwork. It was like he just disappeared. So from 83 to 2004, no one knew where he was? Nope. For more than 20 years. What? Until his discovery in 2004. And that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt again. Where was he discovered? I mean, besides Burger King. Yeah, he was in Georgia. In Georgia. Right. He was last seen in Boulder, Colorado in 1983 and then just disappeared no trace of him nothing anywhere nowhere nothing no papers filed no job held no taxes paid nothing it's like he never existed to this day he does not remember anything from that 20-year time frame that's terrifying in fact he thought again he was 20 years younger than he really was until he had the eye operation and looked at himself in the mirror it was as if 20 years of his life had been Eliminated, just edited out from his life timeline. What really happened to William Burgess Powell? We just don't know. The following year in 2016, they located his surviving brother, Furman Powell. William decided to move back to his hometown in Indiana. I'm sorry. These names all give me the impression that these people have money. It does sound like a hoity-toity name. It really does. Oof. Furman Powell. Yeah, William, William Burgess Powell. William Burgess uh, Powell. Yeah. C.C. Moore called William's brother to let him know that they had found his long-lost relative. Furman said he had given up. He had just assumed his brother was dead sure. like decades ago. He yeah. had not heard anything for 40 years. And then he gets a call on the phone. Hey, guess what? We found your brother, who he calls Bill. So Bill moves back to Indiana with his brother. Mm -hmm. His brother obviously is, is shocked, but uh, last report is that's where he's living now. His brother is helping him to adjust. Wow. And uh, perhaps as time continues to go on, uh, he'll remember more. But as of the writing of these articles, one in Wikipedia and one from CNN, he still has no idea what happened to him for that 20-year period. For 20 years. 20-year period. Just wow. boom, gone. That's no scary idea. stuff. Yeah. So immediately, I think aliens. Of course. You know, he was abducted and then they just wiped his brain, kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, men in black kind of thing. You know, they hold that deal up to his head and flashed him. And so he forgot that 20-year period. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't even really have 
much memory of the period between 1976 when he left and 1983 when he disappeared. There are little bits and pieces, like he remembers that controversy about the transit sure. program. So, you know, really it goes back further than 20. It starts to 20, kind of wane. Yeah. And it's it, almost and, like it makes me think of, um, do you remember the uh, encephalitis the sleeping, sleepy thing? The sleeping plague. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, where you said that they would just like, just go to sleep and they were trapped and they couldn't they couldn't be not sleepy anymore right and then when they came out of it it was like they thought that no time had passed and decades had yeah and decades had yeah. that was uh oliver Sacks' study uh his book awakenings which ultimately became the motion picture with de niro and robert williams which is definitely robin williams yeah, Robin Williams, which is definitely a, a look-see if, if you're interested in that sort of thing. I've still not seen it. It's been three years since you did that episode, <laughs> yeah. and I said, we have to watch that. People would wake up not. and I've they would- I've seen Cabin in the Woods four times, so, but <laughs> have I watched Awakenings? No. <laughs> the uh, the uh, sleeping plague victims, in this case, they were giving, given like a Parkinson's disease. L-Dopa. Is that what it was? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And they woke up and most of them still thought it was like the late 1920s or when it was that they, and it was like 40 years later in some cases. Crazy. Just crazy how the brain works. Um, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. It's one of the reasons why I never did like, like real drugs. I don't like not having control over stuff (laughs) like me. Mm, And what if, what if I didn't have control and I, what if I didn't remember? Oh my God. If I couldn't remember like the night before I would lose it. Oh, I know. Let alone 20 years. 20 years. Oh, it's terrible. Once again, a victory for DNA. I'm loving it. Absolutely. Also, a great, uh, another great example that you can always find nice things at Burger King. <laughs> um, I once found a cat at Burger King and ended up being one of the great loves of my life. My boyfriend and I were at Burger King in Orono, Maine, and this cat was over by the dumpster scooping food out the dumpster. And I was like, well, okay, so we have a cat now. (laughs) And we brought her into, we brought him into the car and he started scooping French fries out of my Burger King bag. Which cat was this? Orion. I I never met Orion. Interesting. Long before me. Named after uh, the the galaxy is on Orion's belt from Men in Black, which you referenced earlier Ooh, in this episode. Box of Oddities Effect. <laughs> yes, that was uh, PJ. Pre Jethro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did he make your wise Loopy? As loopy as I do. I'm not going to get into this. Okay, no. fine. Whatever. Anyway, you guys, thanks for hanging <laughs> out with us. Again, if you'd like to support the Box of Oddities on Patreon, we would so appreciate it. It uh, helps us grow the show. We want to be able to do this full time to continue to offer more and more content as we go. We've got ideas for an upcoming tour, getting back on the road again later this year, hopefully. We've talked about uh, a new product line. We've talked about uh, a a, second podcast. A second podcast. We've talked about a book. And. we're going to need a lot of help to get some of these things off the ground. So if you'd like to become a patron, uh, you can do that at Patreon and we would be forever grateful. You can get all the details on our website as well. Theboxofoddities.com. We will see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. <laughs> <laughs>
and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story. It's unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.